to Expounded Universe, Season 22, Episode 14. Can you trig it? The book, Star Wars X-Wing Race Squadron by Aaron Alston. The year, 1998. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! Hello and welcome to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast where I, Jeff, your host, your guide through the world of Star Wars interactive semi-fan fiction, is joined, as always, by the co-host, John. Is it interactive? Uh, yeah, it's interactive. You can yell at the books. <laughs> They'll allow it. Uh-huh. It's, it says right on it, feel free to, I don't know, draw a picture in here or something. I mean, this is us interacting with the books for 250-some episodes so far. It's true. Yeah. We're interacting. Yeah. And then we respond to people talking to us about it. Like, if you send us a Twitter comment or something, we will probably respond to it, so... But I don't know that the book is interactive, because it's not interacting with us. Hmm. Hmm. Let me see. Let me hold that copy for a second. And nope. Don't you touch just, my let, book. Let me get that copy of get the out. book. Get out. He's going to get, get, get quick get. book interactions <laughs> where I whack you with a book. You going to whack me with a book? Ah, a little bit. <laughs> a little whack. A light brushing of bushwhack. Book book whack. Book whacking. Mm-hmm. 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 The thing that ruined that uh, that Alice in Wonderland movie, I think. <laughs> I mean, uh, that the was reason I'm the... not allowed in my local library. <laughs> no, there's a different one. <laughs> <laughs> you keep that book whack- whacking out of here. So, how are you? <laughs> doing okay. I'm uh, getting. Getting all prepped and ready to head out to Wisconsin. Yeah, we are on a two-day timer now. As soon as this episode's over, I'm going to pack up the recording gear because we are going to do at least one episode while we're out there. Yeah, well. I'm going to do, I think, a movie mastery, which maybe probably need to watch a movie like tomorrow, don't we? Yeah, that is that is a possible thing that might happen and not exactly a guarantee. I, well, we do, it does seem like we have a lot on our plate for the... the so I yeah, there's yeah. more than I assumed we would be doing. Yeah, so I, I I think we're busy. We might be busy Wednesday and Thursday, in which case there, we may have a cessation of service as pertains to Movie Mastery for like a week, but we'll get right back on schedule. Don't worry yeah. about it. And if you don't listen to Movie Mastery, do. You didn't miss anything. You're fine. <laughs> do it. Go listen now. Yeah. And you won't care that we're missing a week because if you haven't listened before, you've got 200 episodes to listen <laughs> to. plenty of catch up you can do. I recommend starting from the very beginning with, like, Big Money Russellas or whatever it was. I mean, the proto one of Franken-Queen 1313. I don't know what the first movie we actually reviewed was, because there are several that could be that are proto movie masters. I'm sorry, this is way off topic for an Expounded Universe episode, but we did the Dungeons & Dragons movie as just an episode of System Mastery once. For no good reason. It's like episode 35 or some dumb idea. Um, And then similarly, we also did... um, the D and D that that weird interactive DVD. Yeah, but that was way later. That was an actual movie master. Oh, well, okay, yeah, all right. But yeah, so there's there's some potential debate as to what the first time we ever reviewed a movie for the show was. Yeah, I but assume it's Frank and Queen. Probably Frank and Queen. Uh, which boy, oh boy, <laughs> that is a great place a, to start. Is that even a movie? <laughs> it is. It is definitely a collection of shots <laughs> that are <laughs> strung together. <laughs> I love it when I run across David Dakota stuff because that's that's him. That's, yeah, uh, that, that's not that. 
that's just like, you know, like before he settled into his career of being rich from having made a bunch of B movies and filming shirtless dudes splashing each other in pools and still saying it's regular movies and not just making porn like you can tell he just wants to. Yeah. Um, he made all these like action movies. Like I was watching one the other day that starred like Cynthia Rothrock and stuff. Huh? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, uh, let's discuss where we last left our heroes. All right. So when we last left off, our heroes had taken the night collar and had met up with Trigget and a couple other ships uh-huh. and they were going to head on out and, uh, try and take out the last remaining survivors from Folor base that mm-hmm. they hadn't been able to get in the first place. Yeah, who were all now hanging around on the same planet. It was called like Obinapore or something. And so, but it was a trick. Yes, they got together and were like, "Ah, oh, we're gonna go take them out." Of course, because the Nightcaller is crewed by our heroes. Mm-hmm. They knew this, and this was a trap, an yeah. ingenious trap that had been laid for them. But oh no, it seems someone on Trigget's ship was double plus smart and figured out it was a trap. Yes, and that di- and she didn't do that until that's Gara Pedithel, a character who seems like they're going to be important at some point, even though we're almost out of book. Yep. Um. This is the second to last episode, so, you know, get those questions ready in your mind, because we'll be doing the wrap-up soon enough. Yeah, we're coming to it. we got to pick another book. There's more Wraith Squadron, apparently, so we can keep going if you want. <laughs> or, as I like to do, I like to just bounce around the Star Wars universe and find all kinds of random crap. So, who knows? Who knows what we'll do? I don't yet. I don't know. Yeah. So, anyway, Gara Pedithel figures out that, uh, basically, the New Republic has discovered the whole Mort Parasite droid, uh kind of activity where they, they, they've discovered that they have been infested with with parasites that are giving pings for locational d- data back to Warlord Zinj. Yes. Uh, and so they've turned that stuff against them by falsifying the data, by taking the port the, the mort droids and attaching them to whatever ship they want and creating false impressions of co- of uh, commerce and traffic wherever they would like it to be. Yes. So Gera figures that out and warns, warns Trigget about that on their flight in hyperspace to there. Now, this is one of those books that's establishing the Star Wars rule that you can't send communication from hyperspace. Yes, they figured out, but they're like, okay, our only options are to either mm-hmm. drop out of hyperspace now and then send a message and hope they get it when the other ships drop out or show up to the trap. And they were like, well, better to just make sure we aren't caught in it and have a message waiting for them when they get there, and hopefully they can get out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the, uh, the whole thing about not being able to send messages in hyperspaces is not universally applied acor- across these Star Wars books? No, there is definitely a, a, a difference of opinion, y- let's yeah. say, on how that works. I mean, it's very similar to how there's that one book we read where they established that droids aren't allowed to say no to people. And just, <laughs> I'm just a droid that can't say yeah. no. And if they, if someone walks up to a droid that's just standing there, like waiting for their master to come out of the bathroom or whatever, and they're like, "Droid, you're mine. Come with me." They have to be like, "Ooh, yes, master. Oh, of course. Oh, I can't wait to go on a space adventure with this rugged and handsome stranger." <laughs> I've I been simply... programmed to only be very conversationally pleasing. <laughs> I'm afraid I must. I, I should say no, but but I'm not allowed to protest, not even if I say my safe word. <laughs> <laughs> and that they're not that same book established that droids are under no circumstances allowed to fly ships. Yeah, just that's a standard programming things for droids. No flying ships. 
seems weird and definitely contradicted constantly. <laughs> contradicted so much that it's contradicted in like physical person by the droid that flies the Star Tour ship at Star at, at Disneyland. <laughs> uh, weird choices that some authors get to make and then no one bothers to be like, hey man, nah. And so it just exists as a fun little bit of ephemera that we get to look at and go, ha ha, you fucked up. Yeah. So anyway, Trigget, pleased about this, has his little moment where he's like, this Gara lady is as deadly and beautiful as she is, intelligent and hot. I shall propose some manner of liaison with her in the future. And again, we're running out of book. Um, but anyway, he's like, great, drop us out of hyperspace. I'm not flying into a trap. What am I, stupid? Anyway, also send the rest of them a message. They won't get it till they're out of hyperspace, obviously. But, you know, tell them to bug out the instant they get there. Warn them about what's happening. Yeah. So when they do get there, of course, our heroes also get that message and go, ah, shit, I guess it is up to us to murder these other ships before they can leave. Mm -hmm. So indeed they do. They manage to completely crack one ship in half, absolutely gut uh, and stall out the other Corvette that was there. Mm -hmm. And all it costs them is... Their entire bridge and bridge crew. Yeah, they lost a lot of people. Uh, they, Poor luckily, Hrackness, gone. Yeah, Captain Hrackness, the, the, the hero of Agamar, uh, gone for good, along with anyone else who happened to have been on the bridge at the time. Luckily, Face, who was still on the ship, had just left the bridge. And the other major bridge crew character we know about, uh, Avril Taban, Taban, was going to be flying a TIE fighter that day. So she got to survive as well. Indeed. But uh, that means... When we left off, they had essentially just finished winning. Yeah, they had completely won, uh, and Kel Tainer was starting to have some... Com he's he's, he's been having the shakes. Early onset shakes. And, yeah. uh He's been having some delicious chocolate shakes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, just one, one for breakfast, another for lunch. And a sensible dinner. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> 80s commercials, 90% <laughs> of our programming. <laughs> You'll call now. <laughs> I feel like I could take on the world in my maiden form bra. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, the new chapter's open with our heroes receiving praise, as they probably, you know, they should. They just did a cool heroic thing. But boy, is this book a lot of them getting praise. Yeah. This is, it's, it starts out with Aaron Kraken or whatever his name is. Or the guy in charge of the... I think Crespin. Crespin. Aaron Crespin. The guy in charge. No, Aaron of Kraken is the other guy. I yeah, know he's like the general. Uh, this dude was the guy in charge of the A-wing squadron at the Folor Moon Base from earlier in the book. Yes, and he's grumpy because he had been part of the team that was going to lead a uh, come out here to ambush the Imperials and fight them. And when the, by the time they managed to get there, the fight was over. There was just a bunch of wreckage, and apparently, this one Corellian Corvette full of hotshot rogue daredevil wraith squadron badasses had already done the job well geez why do we even need the rest of us and all the various like super badass fighters and capital ships and whatnot we have when we've got old wraith squadron over here and you know obviously uh crespin is slightly annoyed at this because you know, he was part of Folor Base. He wanted revenge. He was like, no, I want to get the guy who fucked up my base. But he does end up showing up and be like, all right, well, I guess you did a good job and I'm angry about it, but good for you. Yeah, yeah. He's he's being begrudgingly congratulatory, but ultimately he knows that they actually did a pretty important thing here. And Wedge is like, yeah, we actually 
are still happy you showed up because if Triggett had not smelled a trap, then there would have also been a Star Destroyer here. Yes. A fully loaded Star Destroyer with, with all the good toppings on every single bit of the Star Destroyer. You're not allowed to only take the fully loaded bits of the Star Destroyer. Wraith Squadron is not allowed to eat all of just the fully loaded Star Destroyers. <laughs> I have to share them among the rest of the New Republic. <laughs> that's that's part of the New Republic's rules. <laughs> I just want Piggy to walk by and be like, uh, he told me I had to say that. <laughs> but, but yeah, so he's like, yeah, I'm glad you were here. You guys showed up anyway, because this could have been a lot worse. Uh, anyway... Yeah, we, we're rad, though, but look at the damage we sustained. And also, let me tell you one other good bit of news, Mr. Mr. Uh, Crispin, Mr. Crespin. Um, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Crackles. <laughs> Mr. Snap Crackles Pop. Uh, Mr. Birdbath. <laughs> Please, I'm Mr. Snap Crackles Pop. Snap Crackle is my son. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Hey, man. It's kind of backwards, but hey. you're there. Hey, I get it. Yeah. So anyway... <laughs> Anyway, uh, he, he's like, we also managed to shoot their communications out before they managed to send out a, an alert. Yes. So that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And they are currently doing repairs to the Nightcaller, but they're like, hey, have the people who are doing the repairs to the bridge do a real slapshod crap job, because we want it to look like this was stuff that just the crew did themselves. Yeah, they want to keep the charade running. They're like, we... <laughs> We have not given up on using this fucking thing that randomly fell into our lap at the beginning of the story. By God, we will continue to use this dumb horseshit we got. Like a D&D party that steals a pirate ship on the first adventure when they weren't supposed to? Oh, yeah. They're and like, oh, you're you're in a port town, and I have a whole adventure that's going to be mm. going to some temple near this port town. They we steal go, a pirate ship. We get this ship, we're gone. Bye. <laughs> this is a pirate game now. And you're like, fucking goddammit. I, I wrote a bunch of, don't you want to play that? Yeah, sure. As soon as we're done pirating. I... I told you that we were making an entire campaign based on you guys being pilgrims to this this temple. Yeah, we don't care. We're pirates now. It's pirate time, baby. <laughs> we're all pirates now. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> so, so yeah, that basically they're like going to fix the bridge using parts from the other Corvette, which is very blown up. Like the other, it, it survived. There are people who they oh, no, that recover one, prisoners. I, I mean, at least that one wasn't destroyed because we have the other one that was blown in yeah. half. No, the other ship, like the frigate or something has been blown in half, but the Corvette, they shot a bunch of tor- torpedoes up into it. Like yeah, right its, into the bay. Into its bay. So it kind of got blown up from the middle and the outside of the ship is off the inside of the ship and looks like a flow. It looks like the nowhere skull from Marvel. Yeah. It looks very messed up, but they're, they're able to recover some parts from it to, uh, to help work on, the uh the night caller so so yeah they're gonna scrap it back together in a cobbled fashion so that they can return to the fight and be like accused triggered of treachery well yeah their their whole thing is they're like oh we want to still be able to use this so we can try to set up yet another ambush for either triggered or zinge can't stop until we kill one of those two yeah look hey we introduced a, a new villain in this and we gotta get him by the end yeah, yeah. so their whole deal is they're like, all right, we're going to keep the Nightcaller. We're going to tr- once again be like, hey, I, you know how we showed up to an entire pirate base and somehow with only like four TIE fighters and us got, you know, completely got rid of those pirates and managed to survive it? Well, we also showed up to an, uh, a rebel trap or I guess Republic trap now and uh, we're the only ones to survive that as well. Mm-hmm. We're just real good at our jobs. <laughs> Do not. And I know that 
a lot of Republic guys have been following after everywhere we go and blowing everything we look at up. Yeah. But don't be suspicious about it, that either. <laughs> we're on the level. Yeah, given what happens over the course of this chapter, I feel like we're, we're really setting poor Zinj and Trigget up to be just dumb as hell. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I'll say is having the entire bridge be blasted completely off and fucked up, having battle damage on there that looks like that, like, oh, at least that gives some credence to we tried to fight our way out and managed to get out unlike yeah. the others. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, so we get uh, that conversation and then they're all on a tent down on the planet's surface that they've sent up, set up as sort of a, a makeshift base to have a sort of meeting beh- between all the military brass that are here. So as they finish up that conversation, Wedge is wandering off back towards the crowds and he bumps into Admiral Akbar. Yeah. Yep. Akbar, who was also like, hey, man, fucking good job on that shit. Sweet job. But, you know, Akbar's being military grade serious, but Wedge is still like, well, your niece died on my watch like yeah, like I'm, a week ago. I'm, I'm sorry. I, uh, that. And, ooh. I mean, Akbar for his part is just like hey good job and also thank you for the nice words about my niece yeah he's he's just doing the job like you got to assume akbar over the course of his career has had to do a lot of walking up to widows doorsteps oh for sure yeah. he's like look man i get it i've dealt with that shit a lot and yeah. you know thanks yeah exactly so wedge is trying to equivocate a little bit he's just like i wish and then he kind of breaks down because he can't think of any one thing he could say different and he's like i wish i was a little bit taller <laughs> Akbar, I wish I was a baller. Akbar, I wish I had your girl. <laughs> uh, and she was good, and you could call her. Unfortunately. <laughs> Terrible news. And I'm going to deliver it in the form of a Skilo song, <laughs> as is New Republic tradition. And Hello? not the one you're thinking of. <laughs> not the Republic I'm thinking of? <laughs> no, not the Skilo song. You have oh. to know a second one. You've got to know different Skilo songs. <laughs> Are your kids getting into Skilo tonight at 11? <laughs> uh, but yeah, Akbar's not there for this kind of stuff. So he's just like, look, that's great. Thank you very much for the kind words. I understand completely. And in fact, I understand so completely that it would be great if I happened to run into the pilot who did everything he could to keep him alive. Talking about Kel, who tried to pull her out of the tailspin. Yeah, apparently they had some like actual footage of it from the other like yeah, the X-Wings and shit. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we've saw what Tainer tried to pull off mm-hmm. and it was ridiculously impressive that he managed to at least almost save her and not die in the process. Yeah, effectively what he did was crash into her ship in his ship a bunch of times. Yeah. Which should have killed them. He was like, you did a bunch of just micro crashes and didn't explode and die with her. So, yeah. Good job? Yeah, very impressive. So he he's like, I would just like to meet that guy if it's at all possible. And Wedge is like, oh, I'll make sure he accidentally walks across your path later so you can get your congratulations in. I think if I told him to come see you, he'd just be just, like, he'd be unwilling to do it. He'd be like, oh, okay, I, I'll i just give up now. Yeah, I don't want that's that's a little too much pressure for me to go talk to the, the, the uncle of the, guy, the lady I tried to save. Yeah, it's so weird to me that Wedge completely does not understand that Tainer has any sort of guilt about that. He's just like, yeah, sure, I'm sure he would love to meet you. That's weird to you? Like, after the whole Mindonos thing that Wedge has no fucking clue what's going on? At least with that, he was like... When it first started, I thought, oh, maybe he's so busy he doesn't understand. But as soon as they were like, oh, no... Jansen and Wedge both understand that this dude has PTSD and they're trying to cover for him. I'm like, oh, you suck. 
you suck ass, but at least you know what's going on. Uh-huh. Here, when eventually he, in the next scene, has like a bunch of promotions and medals he's giving out, when he goes to Tainer and he's like, hey man, good job, we're gonna promote you to be a lieutenant. And Wedge has the inner monologue of, Oh, this guy seems like he's pale and has the shakes. Anyway, I don't care. Yeah, like yeah. literally, just goes, and I don't want to think about that. Anyway, moving on. I'm and, like, God damn it, dude. Yeah, like his best thought is, oh, he must be suffering from like some stage fright or something. What a shame, because I have to give him a whole ass medal in a second too. <laughs> yeah, when Wedge does his thing, we get Face gets a promotion, which is definitely called for, Super given that earned. he fucking managed to single handedly. Make a new bridge when the old bridge blew up mm-hmm. and pilot it and relay information by himself from a makeshift bridge. Yeah. I was like, dude, that was very impressive. Plus, he's been doing pulling double duty to at a level that the rest of the people, yeah, sure, they've all been doing the commando stuff, but he has been doing this like super spy crap double yeah. duty stuff where he's pretending to be the captain of the ship. And when he does it, he doesn't, even, he's flying without a chute. He like every time he has to go talk to Trigger or, or whoever, he like is making up new stuff. Oh and yeah, just hoping he won't get in trouble in a minute. Because anytime he talks to someone in the know, and they're like, "And of course we'll be doing whatever," and he has to just kind of be like, "Yes, of course that thing, I know what that is." <laughs> yeah, and it's not even just informational security. There's each time he's talked to Trigger recently, Trigger's been like, "Well, we want you to do this," and he goes, "Well, how about instead we do this." This even crazier thing. And then he has to, when he gets off the the calm, he has to look at Wedge, who's like, that was dangerous and irresponsible. Good job. I <laughs> like a crazy soldier. I like a crazy guy who almost blows our cover. That's my favorite. <laughs> I think the weirdest thing you get in this chapter is the another red herring setup when, he, when Wedge is talking to Crespin, and he's like, look, this didn't come from me. There's been a bunch of stuff coming out about Face Loran, your pilot. Um, I just want you to not be shocked about it when it when it comes down the pipeline, the things that happen, and know that it wasn't my idea. And I'm like, okay, so I guess he we're gonna find out that the, that face had like an embarrassing thing that happened in his past or something. I guess it's gonna be something bad. No, it's just that he was getting a promotion as decided by bureaucracy. A promotion? <laughs> well, he couldn't find, he couldn't make that force field big enough <laughs> to contain all of Mobius. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We get a promotion. That's, we get some promotions. We get promotions. That's, so we get supposed to be like a red herring that maybe Face did something bad, but no, he's getting a promotion. Yeah. So Face gets a promotion. Kel gets a promotion, and then we also get a promotion for Taban, who because everyone else on the bridge crew is dead, now gets to be the captain of the Nightcaller. Yeah, I I would have sworn up and down that given all her Tie Fighter experience and the fact that she seems to make a particularly effective gorilla along with the rest of them was just going to be put into Wraith Squadron as Jesmond's replacement. Oh, for sure. But when we they just... were like, oh, we're going to talk to three people, and it's Face, Kel, and Taban. I was like, oh, here it comes. We'll get promotions for the two of them. And then he's going to be like, hey, if you want, there's a, a slot on the squad for you if you l- want it. Mm-hmm. But instead, he's just like, nope, everyone else is dead. So good job, Captain. I, there's, a, there's a bit in there when he's promoting her to the captaincy where he's like normally... Uh, people in fighter crews don't get to do this kind of thing for the folks who work on bridge crews. Yeah, normally so, we hate each other. Yeah. Fighter pilots and bridge pilots hate each other. Yeah, so my guess in that situation is that uh, the reason he can't offer a position on Wraith Squadron is because that would be a significant downgrade. Oh. <laughs> I mean, not in the minds of anybody on Wraith Squadron, but for bridge crew who are like, no, I 
fucking fly a Corvette. I have I am responsible for the lives of hundreds of people and lots of ships. Oh yeah, I mean it's it is an entirely different career path. Yes. You know, I mean, we already had the opposite direction of this when they were talking about like, oh, well, Piggy, would you like to be captain of a ship? That was so annoying. I was like, fuck off. That was such a weird role reversal where Piggy, who is usually the pedantic one who, when asked a question, will rattle off the long, complex answer like it was nothing. Instead, is like, I would like to keep the ship as a joke. And what what if it was mine? Ha ha. ha, 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 Get it? Because I am like you guys. I I know I know normal jokes, even though I grew up in a in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha jokes. Ha ha. Am I right? Ha ha. (laughs) All the rest of my. I'd like to smell them. Ha ha. I I wonder what they smell like. But Wedge gives this like rambly, like, well, technically you would be able to own it because we have a, tr- a strong tradition of being able to keep what you kill when it comes to Navy tradition. Because, of course, we used to be not the New Republic, but the Rebel Alliance and blah, blah, blah. You first you have to submit this, obviously have to resign for And you see just Piggy, like, in your mind, just visually deflating and shrinking away from this. Like, that was I, a joke. I imagine he's just like, I've fully checked out at this point. I <laughs> don't care what you're he's saying. He's just deep in conversation with, like, Phelan or something by the time they turn back around. And so that's he's how like, you could be a captain. He's like, I'm sorry, were you still talking? I uh, stopped listening several hours ago, Captain. <laughs> Once you pulled out the chart of promotions, I just, I checked out. I'm, I'm sorry. not a New Republic scientist. <laughs> I don't know much about how to become the captain of a pi- of a ship, but if you look at this chart. <laughs> so, so yeah, he manages to go, all right, Taban, uh, we know this entire book has basically been moving towards you joining us, but now nah, you're the captain of the Nightcaller now. Yeah, don't worry. She gets a first person section towards the end of the second chapter of today's episode, so I don't think she'll survive the day anyway. Uh, Anytime they give them any one of these minor characters a bit more business than they deserve, they're about to go out in a blaze of glory. Hmm? Uh, but then after he does his three promotions, he turns back to Kel and he's like, and just one more thing. <laughs> hey, you notice how you're all like pale and shaky and clearly suffering from some kind of strong blow to your mental faculties. Well, get up in front of everybody. You're getting a medal. Hey, everybody stand around this guy and start clapping for him. I got a medal. And you got to believe that this particular medal is a tricky one to hand out because he's getting... I forget what it's called. It's it's like a, a bird of some kind. The something crescent. Yeah. And it looks like a bird. Yeah, it's like the Aurelian crescent or something like that. And it, it look yeah, it's a bird holding up a ruby or something. And it, it's a reward for extreme flying... Uh, talent and bravery. Talent and bravery. And he's receiving it for the attempt he made to save Jesmyn Akbar's life. Yeah, because they're like, this is a clear moment of both being able to have highly proficient flying capabilities... And also using them in a very brave way to try and save one of your co It's a desperate act of incredible heroism, but it's the kind of thing where you don't want to like laugh it off and expect him to get a bunch of backpats from people. Because ultimately, it's a medal for trying and not a medal for doing. Like, Jesmond is still scattered across that pirate moon in a bunch of wet, frozen chunks. Like, so you got to believe that while you're pretty sure... Yeah, he absolutely deserves that. Absolutely. He he put went way above and beyond in a desperate attempt to save the life of a fellow crewman. But are you sure that he sees it that way? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing, not to the same, you know, type or degree as with Donos, but that very steep survivor guilt of, I lived and this other person didn't, and everyone keeps shaking my hand and saying, well, golly, that was amazing. You did such a good job. And you're like, no, I didn't. I watched someone die. Yeah, I was right there 
hearing them try to talk as they were pre- too pressed by gravity to do so. Yeah, I mean, it's. I have to imagine feel like, oh yeah, I got like the Medal of Valor or some shit for being able to like blow up some bunker or something, but everyone else in my squad died. You're like, yeah, this feels great. I feel great about that. Yeah, that's a big part of like the Tolkien story, for example, is that Tolkien was uh, the designated survivor of his unit. And and uh, so when you ask, when, when you constantly asking him like or during his life or were the orcs basically representing the Huns or whatever you're saying like hey can you can you connect your fun st- fantasy time story to the uh, the worst thing that ever happened the, to you like six months you spent watching everyone you ever met and knew go over a big hill to die in a burst of mud and poison <laughs> hey you know the the most traumatic horrid thing that you could possibly imagine happening and it happened to you mm-hmm. what about that is that what this is is that what is that is this the same thing who's tom bombadil is he the kaiser <laughs> hey when you had a fun little elf man and he pranced around was that mm, indicative of death in the trenches and you're like please don't please just don't was that your best mate who died to mustard gas <laughs> Please, please stop. <laughs> please stop. Well, see one of those guys where they just shot his leg, and then and then no one could go help him because then they'd just get shot. Huh? And so you had to listen to him slowly die overnight while calling out for anyone to come help him. Was he one of the orcs? Was that was that an orc? <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, horrid shit. Yeah, and so the same thing again. Wedge is just like, oh man, I gave this medal for you know outsa- outstanding bravery and pilot skill to Tainer, and he seems to be even more messed up. That's weird, and I won't give it a second thought. I'm Wedge. Peace out. Mm-hmm. Very checked out. We seem to be getting a lot of that recently, what with uh, Luke's live and let live behavior in, in uh, the Cornhorn book, where he was just like, eh, a lot of people seem to be getting taken over by evil force ghosts from 4,000 years ago around here. Huh, I guess I could maybe move my training center to the planet that doesn't have the evil possessing spirit of an ancient Sith master or I could do nothing. (laughs) These kids got to learn to swim at some point. And the best pool to learn to swim in is the one that's possessed by evil force ghosts. And also the one that will murder you if you stay in in it. Let's all go into the murder pool. I mean, there's literally a murder pool. I know he goes to the fucking murder pool. (laughs) All right. All right. So, yeah, bad times all around. Yeah. Um, but they do partially repair the night caller so they can get right back out on the road. They have a, a nice little party for uh, Tainer, who, of course, at this point, just makes a full Irish goodbye. And, like, yes. the second he can manage to slip out, just fucks back to his room. Yeah, and it takes all of about 30 seconds of him sitting in there sulking before Tyria shows up. Because they're dating now. Yeah, and, and he's they're like, together because that's... That's what this book needed. So, so she just lets himself lets herself into the room, and he's like, oh, "How'd you do that?" And she goes, "I got the code to your room from Grinder, obviously. How did you yeah. think?" I I called up Grinder and was like, "How how do I get in here?" And he's like, "Fine, here's the code. <laughs> yes, I can break into anyone's room at any yeah, time. Pass, password is Wes Jansen is a stupid butt. <laughs> Jansen smells like butt and is a butt. Stupid butt. One one three eight seven. And he likes to kiss his own butt." <laughs> Uh, also, you use the same password that everyone in Star Wars does. It's THX eleven thirty eight. We 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 all know everyone uses it. We all we don't know why. It's kind of a universal shared trait. Everyone thinks it's a midichlorian thing. <laughs> but yeah, she comes in and <laughs> instead of being like, 
ooh, I should torture you about this. Let's do a run where uh, we have Jasmine die again in the simulator. <laughs> She's like, hey, I know you better than you know yourself. I know we've been dating for two minutes, mm-hmm. but you need to trust me when I tell you that you're cool. You're a cool guy and everyone loves you and that's great. Yeah, so she basically pushes him until he admits what's going on. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. I don't see myself as a big damn hero. I see myself as my dad. And, you know, I've lived my whole life not... When I was a kid, I didn't even know what happened to him. I They just told me he died in the line of duty. Yeah, it was when I was a kid, I made up a lie that was, oh, he he was under super secret special orders to do a thing. And Jansen murdered him without knowing he was a he was a cool hero yeah and jansen was a murderer but he wasn't a cool hero and he wasn't an empire defector and he wasn't trying to do a secret mission he just got scared and ran yeah he's like eventually when i was actually in flight training i met some of the people who were also on that mission and heard the fucking like calls the radio calls between him and yeah he just lost his cool fucked off and had to be killed so that everyone else didn't die yeah and uh i i've come to terms with that sure but now i'm realizing i'm just like him like you don't notice because i keep pulling off whatever missions and so on but i'm scared to shit and there's not a non-zero chance that i'm gonna break like my dad did yeah he's like every mission i feel like i'm getting closer to the point where if the pressure gets too much I'm going to fuck off and screw all of you guys over. Even if you don't have to kill me for leaving like my dad did, it'll probably leave you guys out to dry anyway, and then I'll just be dragged back for a court-martial. Yeah. So he's worried that that's going to happen. She's pointing out that, like, that doesn't even make sense. He is such a team player that he still only has, like, one X-Wing kill. And that's because even though he's been in the sky for every mission, he dedicates all of his time to keeping everyone else alive and trying crazy shit to save the day that isn't just getting X-Wing or getting tie kills. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're the super planner guy. Your whole deal is coming up with goofy nonsense for us to do to keep things under control. And he's like, oh, you don't know me. You don't, you don't know who I am. And she's like, oh, I do, though. Yeah. I've I've been in the same squad as you for a couple months and I've been dating you for three days and I know you better than you know yourself. Yeah, so you she, live a lie, Keltainer. Yeah, she hits him with some of that the love dare bullshit where she's like, like, can you believe a thing? Can you believe a thing I tell you? I'm right and you're wrong. Can you just accept that about this situation? I am right and you are wrong about how brave you are. And he's like, no, that's a terrible argument. And she's oh, like, oh, so you think I'm dumb then? <laughs> you he, think I'm a big stupid idiot if you won't accept that. that? He just goes, no, I can't do that. I can't buy in just because you told me to, to the notion that I'm not secretly a coward. And like, this is pretty deep seated stuff. Yeah. he. I mean, he's very much like, no, I, I've lived with myself my whole life. You've known me for a few months. Clearly, I know me better than you. And she's like. Do you, though? Because you just admitted that your whole childhood was a lie. You live a lie, Keltainer. Mm-hmm. You're a piece of shit, but not in the way you think. Yeah. And this conversation, blessedly, does not have a resolution. No, he doesn't just get out the other end and go, You know what, Tyria? You're right. I am a cool guy deserving of praise. And even better than that, it doesn't end with him going, No, get the fuck out. We're through. Or anything like that. There's no... It, it just it's a, It's a relationship fight. In the good, real way, where it just peters out and everyone's mad. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is resolved yeah. and everyone is unhappy. Yep. Just like life. Very realistic. <laughs> where it's just like, hey, sometimes your fight's over and no one got the, the winning hand on that one. No, everyone said their piece and then no one was convinced by anything. 
because that's not how arguments ever happen. No one's ever like, ah, yes, your clear and stated point of view has changed my entire worldview. Yeah, so it just peters out. And then we jump, the, the whole ship jumps to another planet, the next one that the Nightcaller was supposed to hit. Yeah, because they're like, we have to, you know, be on our way fairly quickly mm-hmm. because we have to report back that, hey, we survived. And the longer it takes for us to report back, the weirder it seems. And they aren't reporting back to Trigget. They're reporting back via Holonet communication to Zinge. Yes. So that they can accuse Trigget of treachery, vile treachery. Yeah, because they're like, oh, from the point of view of you know, uh, Darillion. They're like, oh, he's going to say that Trigget just left them out to dry instead of helping them escape or showing up or doing anything. He just allowed all of them to walk into an ambush. Fuck this guy is the message he sends to Zinge. Yes. And then they start taking bets on how long it'll take and who will be the one to call. Will Zinge call first or will Trigget catch wind of it and call first Yeah, in an attempt to handle damage control? And sure enough, as they're as they're standing around having that discussion, the holonet goes off and Face has to run in there so he can go be Darillion, and no one knows who it's going to be, and it's Trigget. Yeah. And, you know, to Face's credit, he has a whole, like, righteous indignation yeah, thing he, where he's like, you dare show your face to me, sir! Vile villainy! <laughs> sir! Stands up out of his chair and starts waving a finger around in the air. I like, shan't have it. I shall have satisfaction, <laughs> sir. Sirrah. And Trigget, again, has been, as far as Imperial officers in Star Wars novels go, is just like, hey, look, I didn't find out until we were in hyperspace myself. And what would you have done in that scenario? And he's like, I would have ridden hard to my own death to save my boys. <laughs> I'd do anything to try and pull their asses from the fire. Not like you, you chicanerous villain. And he's like, no, you wouldn't. Let's, let's be like, real. Also, what if you had direct orders not to do that? Huh? You know, like from Zinge? Like secret, you know, Zinge gives everyone different orders. How about if that was the thing? And, you know, they're having their fun little fight. And he's like, no, fuck you. I would never. And he's like, well, why don't you tell that to the man himself? And then calls up. and Bruce puts- Springsteen. <laughs> Calls up the man. <laughs> you know, not Bruce Springsteen. That would be the boss. <laughs> That's true. He is the boss. Well, who's the man? I don't know. Uh, probably. Wait, wait, is it Santa Claus? Is it the big boss man? I think it might be Santa Claus from that that uh, Saving Christmas episode we watched. Remember? Wow. Santa was the man. <laughs> I want to be the man. <laughs> Fuck that. But you know, I, I recently watched, because I was dared to, Fireproof as well. Great. It is so much worse. I don't know what that is. No, it's uh, Kirk Cameron's other strong evangelical uh it predates uh saving christmas great oof oof a doof <laughs> great yeah anyway sorry to get back onto the topic it, yeah you know ladies and gentlemen warlord zinge and immediately faces like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck this he- whole system that we've set up that does an on the fly basically ai picture generated version of derillion yeah he's v-tubing over him mm-hmm. is like, oh, this is very complicated and takes a lot of processing power, and the communication setup is barely made to be able to do this to one person. Doing it to two is incredibly difficult because it has to be from the angle, because that's how fucking holograms work, the angle that Zinge is looking at him, we now have to do a separate 
different hologram projection from that angle. And I call movements. bullshit on this whole thing. I get it. I get why it's a narrative constraint. But Zinch doesn't know what fucking angle he's looking at you from. He's sitting in a little room on another ship. You could send them both the same angle, and it would look right. It would look like he's looking, making eye contact with both of you. Yeah. And you'd never know unless Zinch called called uh, Trigget up afterwards and was like, so was he looking right at you, or was he looking right at me? Because I don't know if that was real or not. I call bullshit. I don't know anything ima- is real. Imagine if a YouTube video started falling apart because, like, five people were watching it. I mean... Here's the thing. If you've ever live streamed on YouTube, that's possible. But <laughs> if five people start watching you, you might just fall apart. I guess that's true, but that's you. Yeah, I'm just like, fucking just send the mirror. It's not like Zinge can see Trigget in this scenario. And even if he could, it would look like another hologram of a person looking at a camera somewhere. Well, the problem is that might have been a solution had they been like, we have set up for this eventuality, but the way Star Wars fucking holograms work, they were like, oh, we never made this to work with two things at once. So now it's just sort of trying to adapt on the fly. It's just it's just made up bullshit to try and contrive some extra tension into this scenario. I don't even think it needed it, but you know, I get why they're doing it. It just feels incredibly stupid. All it means is now Face has to Move as little as possible, so he's like, oh, I'm going to basically sit as rigid as I can mm-hmm. in the chair so that the computer doesn't have to map Darillion's body movements to anything and just his facial movements, and maybe that processing power will be enough if I don't do a lot of goofy shit that it has to track. Yeah. No, don't just don't try and do that thing where, where you're uh, John Cena and people can't see you, because you'll get a bunch of artifacting behind your hand. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be one of those things where you've got like a background in your Zoom call and then you lean back and disappear. Yeah, or you turn side to side and your headphones fall on and off because you turned on a virtual background. It'll be that kind of thing. Yeah. Like he'll be standing there and all of a sudden Dorellian won't have any ears. <laughs> uh, so the the big problem is it never matters. No. We have the whole conversation. He's like, oh, fuck, I've got to stay perfectly still. And maybe, oh, I think something's going on with the power system. Neither one of them call him on it. It doesn't do anything. Nothing no. matters. It's just extra tension in a scene that was already, to my money, plenty, plenty tense. He didn't expect he'd have to face a united front of Zinge and Trigget. He now needs to make absolutely sure he balances whatever thing he says so that it sounds right to two people who might have differing sources of information. Yeah, it's two different people who now know Darillion and have dealt with him, and he's like, all right, I got to make sure that I'm perfect for both of these people and neither one of them catches me. And he's never talked to or, to or even seen Zinge before. Yes. So he has no idea what he's going to be like. Like, to my, for my money, this was empty, unnecessary tension adding. This was already an incredibly tense scene because he's talking to two war or Imperial Remnant people of incredible uh, importance and power, and one of them he's never even met. Yeah. So I, I just felt unnecessary. But yeah, basically, uh, Zinj is like, yes, my boy, I do have plans. Plans for him and for you. How would you like to be captain of your own Star Destroyer? Perhaps the Implacable? Uh, Smile and Stan's note here, Implacable is the name of Trigget's ship. Yes. Uh, and he's like, okay, so something's going on. I guess maybe he's going to make Trigget like the captain of the Iron Fist mm-hmm. for his own ship or whatever. I don't know. He's promising a lot, but he's like, all right, what's the deal? And he's like, well, we're, do you know who's following you? And he's like, oh, of course not. I, I haven't seen my own fucking satellite relay information that I set up. Of course, I don't know who's following me. He's like, 
Tis the very rogue squadron. <laughs> My good boy. <laughs> Do you know what day it is? <laughs> Why, tis rogue squadron right, day. So Zinja's Ebenezer Scrooge and Trigget is the t- is the fancy Victorian lad. <laughs> I just want to make sure we get the voices right. Wait, hold on. <laughs> My God, they did it all in one night. They did indeed, Papa. Oh, Papa, I can't. I I want ever so much to command the Iron Fist. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's like, we're gonna set up a trap. We're gonna the next place you go to. We're gonna go ahead and have like Trigget in the Implacable, and mm-hmm. you and the uh, Nightcaller hide behind the moon of whatever planet you go to. Wait for Rogue Squadron to show up, and then you are going to absolutely murder them with an entire Star Destroyer's worth of TIE Fighters. Yes, and then he, and Zinj is like, indeed, we, sh- we shall take on Rogue Squadron, and we will destroy them as easily as I previously destroyed Talon Squadron. And, and at that point he goes from, like, from the hall you hear, fuck, <laughs> god damn it, what a son of a bitch. And, and Face is like, oh shit, is Dono sitting right outside the door? God damn it. <laughs> Dono, shut the fuck up! <laughs> and I love that he's like, oh no, I hope they didn't hear anything. I'm like, why? If they did, they'd be like, what was that noise? I don't know, one of the people that works on this ship. Anyway, we were having a conversation. <laughs> I'll have him, I don't know, flayed or something. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever, I'll do Imperial shit. I'll throw him in, I don't know, some sort of brig. I'll throw him in a big vat of probe droids. It's fine. We got. <laughs> I'll make him frim on the frim frame. Plus some of those ball ones with the poisons. You know those. You remember those ones? You know the sticky balls, like, the, like the old stabbing times. balls. Yeah, just like old times. We'll use some stabby balls and some mice droids. <laughs> but yeah, they don't hear anything. No. And luckily, you know, you get us a text message from Kel, who's like, "Don't worry, we're going to psychologically torture Donos until he's chill again." <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing we know how to do. Worked last time. So. Instead, Face is like, oh, that's lovely, but what if we got a bigger target? What if we go someplace that would be a large enough and compelling enough target that they didn't send just Rogue Squadron, they had to send more than just them, and that way we could, because we're going to have a fucking Star Destroyer there anyway, we may as well get as many Imperial or uh, Republic Republic guys as possible. Sure. So we're going to go somewhere that's worth, like, three squadrons. How about that? And Trigget is like, that's dumb. That's dumb as fuck. Let's just murder Rogue Squadron. That's no. a very good target. One squadron of X-Wings is super dangerous. You've seen what the Wraith Squadrons... Well, no, they have no idea who that no. is. They've, we've seen what Rogue Squadron can do in the past. And taking them out, it's not just, oh, we got rid of, a, you know, 12 X-Wings, whoop de doo If you kill Rogue Squadron, that is a huge morale blow. Like... This is a thing that if we can, with overwhelming force, take out Rogue Squadron, we should do it. And Zinja's like, no, nah, but hear him out, though. No, I like it. I like the bait. I will take the bait. I am Warlord Zinj. Mmm, yummy, yummy bait. Mm, what is that, a worm? <laughs> down the hatch. Get that down my gullet. Mmm. <laughs> I am a hungry boy. <laughs> I'm a hungry little fish, and I need worms. <laughs> Dangle worms in front of me because I'm the hungriest fish. <laughs> I, I'm i a thirsty little flower and I need to be watered. Yeah, so he, so Zinj hears it and he's like, all right, great. We'll send you the details of a location that's worth not one, not four, but three <laughs> squadrons of Republic ships. We're, we're, of course, going to go to whatever the fuck place. And he's like, 
Yes, great. Okay. And uh, the, the thing about this, we were talking earlier about how Face has to bluff in a lot of these conversations. This whole thing about pushing for not one, but three squadrons worth of Republic is all him. It's based on nothing. Oh, yeah. He's just like, well, what if instead of 12 guys, we killed 36 guys? And Zinj just loves it. He's just like, yeah, yeah that that's the kind of go up and get going yeah. good times planet I love. Could be 48 if some of those ships are Y-Wings. <laughs> and that is the end of it. But, you know, fucking he signs off and like Zin just goes, hey, good job. Uh, yes, my lord. And Zin just signed off before he even finishes saying my lord. Yeah. And Trigget's like, hey, man, you're smart and you've got good plans. You're obviously very capable of surviving things, but uh, you're too ambitious, and I think you're, you'd are you be a good captain of a Star Destroyer if you don't get murdered first. Okay, bye. And then he hangs up before he can say goodbye again. Yeah, because he tries to be like, yes, sir, and he hangs up before he gets sir out. Yeah, so then he whirls around, and there's Wedge, along with Mindonos. Both of them look unbelievably pissed off. Min because he, his squadron got insulted, and Wedge because this whole will go after an even bigger target with even more X-Wings is just some new bullshit that Face made up. But Jansen's also there, happier than a pig in shit. He's just like, hell yeah, what a stupid thing you did. I love it. Nice. And then Wedge is like, great, well, I have to go get on the horn to the New Republic to do your fucking bullshit plan. Goodbye. Uh, yes, no, he's gone. No, no, everyone <laughs> leaves. <laughs> All right, and then we just jump to the future at which point we find uh the they've picked a planet it's called like Oberdober or whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> Obridibon um and they are uh getting they, they find this out in a contact they have with Trigget they're already over the moon of the planet at this point uh but the the, the Trigget is la- the uh Corvette has landed on the moon and hovering out up well, above them I is- mean we have the conversation with Zinj before that where they find out where they will be going before they go oh, I thought it was just Trigget because this is the conversation where uh no Zinj because there's two different conversations where Face almost gives up the shit. Yeah. So Zinj is like, we're going to go to Ession. Okay. And Face has to be like, yes, that sounds like a perfect target. He's like, I have to kind of sound sar- sarcastic. Oh, yeah. Well, because if this is, is bait, yeah. then if he's like, oh, we'll go to Ession because we're not doing your plan. I have to make it sound like I'm being sarcastic to cover for if it's not a good target or if it is a good target because I don't know what the fuck this Ession place gotta is. got to pitch it to half sarcasm. And, you know, as soon as he does, Zinj doesn't call him out on, hey, why did you do that? Oh, yeah. it's a speech impediment. I love that Darillion was considered a, a semi-useless fop by both of them like three days ago. Oh, yeah. They're like, this guy is just an ass-kissing fop who loves the sound of his own voice. And then over the course of, like, a couple weeks, Face goes, no, this guy's a super brilliant strategist and tactician. They're like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. All right. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> They're no longer even having conversations amongst themselves about how this guy used to be a tool, and now he's, like, constantly suggesting the best things. Yeah. Instead, they're just like, yes, that is right. You're great. Mm-hmm. Good job. And Zinj, in this conversation, is like, yes, it is. It's at a very valuable place. This will definitely be a big prize that they'll want to send many people out to stop us from having. And that's when, you know, he has to kind of cover with improv skills. He's like, and of course, you'll need to talk to, you know, oh, the people on the parakeck or whatever. Yeah, and he's the- like, yes, 
that seems like the perfect person to talk yeah. to. Because he tries to start it. He's like, who should I rendezvous with on the planet? Well, obviously, Ekwak, or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, he's he's getting on in years, and he's very conservative in what he's willing to do. So instead, go through a security chief whose name is... Pascalian. Pascalian. Hola, Pascalian. H-O-L-A. Like, her name is Hola. Ola. Hola, Pascalian. Yeah. Good old hello, Pascalian. <laughs> Anyang Pascalian over here. <laughs> so... So, Ola Pascalian, uh, I, I'm sure that's uh, that they just didn't take Spanish being an existing language into account when they named her. No, it's probably it's like, oh, Hola. Hola or Hala or something like that. But <laughs> being San Diegan, boy, you don't read it that way. Hola, Pascalian. <laughs> Bienvenidos, I guess. <laughs> Bienvenidos, ah, uh, Ession. <laughs> so, yeah, he has to be like, yeah, yes, of course, I'll talk to Pascalian that She's a great security person. He's like, and also I think it might be time Favorite for uh, yeah. Raffin, the other guy, to retire. And he's like, oh, do you want me to like t- take care of him? Yeah, you want me to do uh, the standard? Am I gonna him? am I gonna retire him for you? Or is he getting a gold watch or two in the head? What are we doing? <laughs> he's and like, no, no. I mean, like literally retired somewhere nice. Again, I love how weirdly casual Zinj and Trigget have been presented throughout this, where he's like. What do you, no, don't fucking kill him. He's actually old and retiring. He's going to live in a cabin and write his memoirs. Jesus. But I also love that Zinj completely assumes that this is fine for Drill, and he's like, oh, you're so efficient. I'm like, it's not efficient to murder a man for no reason. I mean, unless you're in Wraith Squadron, and then it's incredibly efficient to murder a man for no reason. It's the fastest way to accomplish your goals. Yep. But yeah, they're like, Okay, sure. Uh, I'll go talk to those people, and I'll set everything up. You can count on me, Darillion, the guy who knows exactly what planet this is and mm-hmm. who those people are. Checks out. <laughs> yep, I, I get that. <laughs> Don't know why you needed to say it, but that's all true. <laughs> Darillion, whose first name and social security number are the following. <laughs> mm-hmm. Captain Darillion, the guy I am. <laughs> uh, hey, it's that guy I am. <laughs> Uh-huh. That sounds accurate to me. Yep, nothing wrong here. <laughs> nothing creepy about that. I'll be on my way. Good day, sir. <laughs> and they find out they're like, "Oh, okay, this planet used to be a big manufacturing plant for tie fighters essentially. But then after the war was done, they're like, "Oh, we converted over to just like Hovercraft vehicles. We make regular cars and planes, not TIE fighters, says Sinar subsystems of this planet in particular. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, they're still making TIE fighters. I mean, it's basically like they went, yeah, sure you make cars now, VW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Sinar subsystems is clearly still making TIE fighters here because apparently they have an, a local air force of several dozen of the things. Yeah, they were like, Okay, this makes sense. For sure, they probably kept, like, at least part of a factory or one of their factories completely capable of making TIE Fighters. That's why this place is a great choice, because they can crap out more TIE Fighters. We're running long, so let's just jump uh, there. When we get to the actual planet, when we're at Ession... The uh, the Nightcaller is parked on the moon of it. They have a big security satellite they've set up to baffle communications throughout the rest of the system, but they can they can still talk to the Implacable, which is hovering right up above them. Yes. Uh, the goal is to watch until Rogue Squadron shows up and then blow the shit out of them. But the other goal, the New Republic's goal, is that they're going to fake sending in a freighter, which is actually full of squadrons, 
and it's going to break up on impact or like on impact with the atmosphere to disgorge its squadrons in secret so they can come out and attack. Yeah, it is way too complicated of a plan when you're like, oh, the whole idea of this is you want a, a few squadrons to show up and like bomb the shit out of some target and take care of their ability to make TIE fighters. But they're like, oh no, we've got to take the freighter that the pirates were using when we went to that pirate moon, Mm -hmm. that the freighter they were using as a base of operations, we've barely repaired. And then we put a bunch of like big old containers in there where three different squadrons of fighters are in there. And now we're going to send that freighter in and it's going to look like it's breaking up. And when it gets down there, it'll break apart. And then the containers will break apart. And then on sensors, it'll look like the the fighters mm-hmm. are debris, but they're not debris. I'm like, just send what, fucking fight. What are you why doing? Why wouldn't you just send in the exact same ambush squadron you were planning for the last planet with like Home One and a bunch of other giant Republic ships? Because then they'd go, oh, we can't fight that and not show up to the trap. Or, or they'd, I guess they'd run away. Like you get, you get, uh, you get Trigget's uh, Star Destroyer being like, oh, fuck this and, and, and fleeing. Exactly. Sure. That's fine. I still find it wild that the Republic at this point has not also developed interdictor technology to stop that. But sure. That's that's great, but uh, but it would still accomplish the goal of like you know oh, uh, w- you trust the Nightcaller even more now because hey look at that we we tried to ambush them and they they have some kind of super spy operation on you although I think my no, pers- the whole point of this is to kill the implacable I know I think my personal favorite plan for how to have co- uh, accomplish this would have been to send in twelve empty Rogue Squadron painted X wings ah. and just have them fly by simulator just set some simulators to easy and just put those out there. Like, just put empty R2 units on the back of them, like no droid in there, just a shell, and then just blow those up real quick and be like, we did it. We took out Rogue Squadron. What a blow to the New Republic. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, let us on the implacable, huh? Oh, shoot you. We won. No, they want to destroy the fucking implacable. I know. So their whole plan is needlessly complicated for the insertion of these three squads. Sure. Because you are getting Rogue Squadron... Blue Squadron, the A-Wing group from Folor Base, mm-hmm. and you're getting... Uh, yellow, which yellow, is... Yellow, the Y-Wing Squadron. Oh, uh, yeah, so there's three squadrons coming, and uh, we also get one last trappy conversation between Darillion and Trigget. Yes. Where, where Trigget's like, uh, just like, oh, I trust your plan and pre- What a wonderful idea you've had. I can't wait for this. But as you know, press forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always... Lead from lead from lead lead from. What's the mm-hmm. back half of the? And he's like, uh, I don't know. What are you trying to? What do you? I'm busy, man. What do you want? And he's and like, like, I'm trying to track three squadrons, my man. Quit that. And he's like, No, dude. You know, follow you're, from. You're a Coruscant trained Imperial intelligence officer, and they all know the end of that sentence. Oh yeah, because while he's drilling him, he has like an entire group of dudes in the communication thing. The second anything seems weird, just like going on Wikipedia and looking shit up. And they're like, uh, they type up a quick message to him that's the phrase. And he's like, oh, yes, follow from the front so that those behind you will be caught in your trap or whatever the dumb horseshit saying yeah, inspired is. Inspired or something, yeah. And so he's like, yes, that is it. But why didn't you say it earlier? And Face gives the wildest fucking shit ever where he's like, oh, it's because I'm, I'm not the man you think I am, or not the one that you met. You see, yeah, I like that. He I was with, in love once, yeah. and you're like, 
hold on, what the fuck? I mean, are the you best doing? part of it was was he was like, because I'm not Admiral or Captain Derillion. What? Or at least not the one you once knew. You're like, Jesus, dude, you face, come on. <laughs> he jumped off the cliff on that one. I have to imagine everyone in the room was like, guns out, just <laughs> I'm going to fucking murder this dude. <laughs> but yeah, he spins his fucking yarn where he's like, how dare you bring up Coruscant politics to me once again, when you know my wife was killed there when the Lusankia exited Coruscant. Me and her lived a blessed life on an apartment complex that coincidentally happened to be perched directly above the Lusankia's famous supposedly permanent tomb and, and now the one woman i adored murdered the other woman i adored and right in the middle of trigger being like no why did you wait what the f- what did yeah, you just fucking that, say to that me? was exactly wild enough to get him off the scent because he's like wait what do you mean one woman mur- what, what the fuck and he's like i suppose it's time you knew the truth for i was in love with i saw an Isard. <laughs> i i loved i because have you ever met the woman she was Strong as a tiger and sharp as a sword and strong as durasteel. Why, her very scent haunts me to this day. A spicy smell with no sweetness. Why, that's Leatherwood, her signature smell. I must believe that. Also, Uh, you have yet to say anything in particular about her boobies. Why is that? (laughs) Everyone else has always mentioned breasts anytime they talk about a woman in this book so far. Weird. But yeah, he's just like... Ah, truly, I made a weird, creepy little shrine to her in my room, and Mm -hmm. I loved her dearly, and I also loved my wife, and on that day, I lost both. Speak not of me and Coruscant! (laughs) (laughs) And Trigget is like, man, I ain't got the time to get into this. Sure, man, deal with whatever you got. Whatever. Fine. Cool. I gotta go. Excellent, for I require a series of restorative tonics after your comment. <laughs> oh, oh, second in command, a tincture, please. <laughs> I need a brandy. <laughs> Someone get me my Durasteel fainting couch. <laughs> Donk. Ow! <laughs> Every time. Damn it. <laughs> Why did I make this? <laughs> And it's the replacement for the transparent steel fainting couch I kept tripping over. I could never find it. <laughs> Better than the flimsy blast fainting couch. Destroyed that the first time I used it. Tried to lay down on it and it fainted. <laughs> materials of Star Wars. <laughs> we know materials. <laughs> so... So anyway, once he gets off the horn from that conversation, everyone in the bridge is like applauding. They're like, what the fuck was that? Like, how did you, how did you come up with, you were in love with Isard? And he's like, eh. (laughs) And the nice thing is it is a callback because earlier in the book, we did establish that yes, face is one of the few people who might know what Isard smelled like because he sat in his, sat in her lap when he was a little kid. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm one of the few people that would be able to pull this off. I actually met her, so I know anything about being around her. Yeah. So, good job. He managed to make a callback to that time he very weirdly as like an eight-year-old sat in Isard's lap. Yeah. Anyway, they get the uh, first alert that the rebels are coming, or the Republic is coming. Then the second alert, this ship called the Red Feather shows up. This is going to be the ship that'll break up on impact and be full of a squadron. But then also another ship has shown up in, in, in space, the the blood something or other the the pirate ship from- no that's what the feathers is oh is it okay they were just pretending yeah okay so that's they were calling that ship the red feather but it is the pirate ship yeah 
Secretly, the red feather was the yellow feather. <laughs> ah, red feather, yellow feather. Mm, red feather, yellow feather. <laughs> Unique New York. <laughs> Unique. Speak not of New York to me, for the one woman I love was there. <laughs> oh, Rhea Perlman, how I loved her. Oh, the dangers that I would go through for just one touch. Swept away by Danny DeVito in the prime of her life. She should have been mine. <laughs> Scotrick. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, at the, yeah, a bunch of plans starts going into motion. Um, Atril is going to be the captain of the ship, obviously. But then I think it's it's her who gets an idea where she's like, look, our goal is we we tricked Trigon into letting us set up that communication satellite. But really all it does is foul communication and targeting so that they won't be able to shoot us until we escape mid-ambush. But what if they've seen through the ambush already, they're just being nice, and their first action is to blow up the satellite? Then they just get a clean shot on us. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not even if they've seen through it. It's just, what if they blow up the satellite just so they're like, oh, we don't need it anymore, and we want our communications to be free, so we'll blow that up. Yeah, That so means we can't get out of here free. So she tells that idea to Wedge, and Wedge is like, oh, shit, you're right, but I have a crazy plan I won't discuss. Well, all you would need to do is this ridiculous nonsense and then you'd be able to get free anyway and she's like i've been the captain for one day what the fuck are you talking about and he's like whatever look let's just jump to the next scene and they do where we cut to phelan who is standing outside of one of the tie fighters because they're sending those out to be the honor guard for the implacable because yeah. they get a call and they're like look we only are drillian is like look we only have four tie fighters and there's like hundreds on your ship and dozens from the from the planet can we just be your honor guard because we don't really need to sacrifice my little TIE fighters on the altar of this mission? And he's like, sure, I don't even care. Whatever, who gives a fuck? And uh, so that's Phelan's job is to go be part of the squad attacking the, the Nightcaller in a TIE fighter. And then Atril comes running up and she's like, well, where's Wedge? Wedge is supposed to be flying one too. And by the way, uh, another thing that happened during the whole uh, big uh, previous chapter is that they gave Tyria another X-Wing. So she's back on Oh in, yeah, back they, on duty. they resupplied X-Wings. Yes, uh, but... Atril's like, I don't know, there's been a switch. He's captaining the ship now. I'm flying the TIE Fighter. Apparently there's a trick only he knows how to do. Something called the Loran Slingshot. Yeah, he's good at doing dumb horse shit, so he's going to do it. He knows how to captain a thing. Yeah. and then, I'm going to fly a TIE Fighter. And then when we take off on the TIE Fighters, it's going to be from my point of view, me, Atril, Taban, the barely a character, so you know I'm not surviving this battle. Oh, she's fine. <laughs> she hangs out with the guy in the, from the turret. <laughs> It's not like she was described as maybe dying or anything. No, she's fine. She's, she's literally fine. fine. She does end the chapter fine. I'm just saying she won't end the next chapter fine. That is <laughs> that is my prediction. Um. Anyway, so yeah, uh, Wedge is gonna fly or gonna captain the Nightcaller for the purposes of this mission. Yes, and for fucking some reason, I could not figure out why they decided in this. To immediately attack the implacable themselves instead of waiting for the trap to go off. Yeah, it's it's a weird moment. I don't know if they're just trying to throw them off the scent or whatever, but but yeah, we get all three of the new squadrons are deployed. The X Wings are all set to go out of the Nightcaller, and then the only bit of actual action we get in this scene, uh, beyond some conversation between Trigget and Gera about how this plan appears to be, oh, that's definitely a, a Republic ship planning to come in. They're a fake freighter. We just got to watch and see how they do this. But they don't suspect the Nightcaller is betraying them. No, they're like, oh, we get th this thing that says like, oh, we're we're breaking apart. Oh, they're like, oh, yeah, that's the insertion group. That's how they're getting these squadrons down there. Yeah. Uh, so 
right after they start that, at, we get a moment where the Nightcaller lifts off, which is not considered... It's just stupid, according to Trigget. Oh, Trigget's like, oh, you fucking glory hound. You're going to go join the fight just so you can say you were part of it. Send them a message, just a generic message. Ask them why they're doing that and tell them to hold still. <laughs> tell them you don't need to do this. The TIE Fighters will do it. Fucking chill out. We get a brief moment of Wedge on the bridge, the new bridge of the Nightcaller, talking to one of the, uh, the bridge officers where he's like... Yeah, do this and this and this with the tractor beam. You know, it's kind of like uh, in a cartoon where they don't want to say what the actual plan is, so they just switch to exaggerated whispering. So he's like, here's what you're going to do. Oh, yeah. Looking around, looking around. No one's looking. Okay. Yeah, so it's that. Uh, but And then the guy just goes, wow, I've never tractor beamed anything that big before. And for again, I do not know why they're like, yeah, we're we've decided right now we're gonna go fucking attack the implacable ourselves right now from here, and we're gonna lead the charge on this star destroyer with four Tie Fighters. That's our that's our lead off group. Well, the the entire thing apparently is one coordinated attack that is almost a callback to what they did when they broke the other ship in half in the last fight. Yes, because they're like, all right, we're gonna have. A call out to one of the TIE Fighters to paint the target for us, Mm -hmm. and then as soon as that happens, we are immediately going to have the lasers from the TIE Fighters and I think the Nightcaller hit the bridge shields, Yeah, but then... All of the X-Wings will, once again, just like they did in the last fight, disgorge all of their fucking torpedoes right at that same target. And it works. Like, we we're, we get Taban's point of view. This is why I think she's going to die. They describe her point of view as being from inside of a uh, laser-equipped tinfoil ball. We're like, this thing is fragile, and I'm pointing it at a Star Destroyer. Because she just warp- she's, she's part of the honor guard for it, so she just spins in place and starts shooting at the bridge. Then we cut to in the bridge, where Trigget is talking to Gara like, uh, what is happening? What? Wait, what? Okay, shields up. Some crazy shit's happening. Oh yeah, because someone goes, uh, we've got laser painting on us and multiple target locks. All of a sudden, he's like, uh, fuck shields. What is happening? And the second he says that, a giant blast goes off in front of him that you know makes the viewport go opaque so that it doesn't have the entire blast thing blind everyone. Uh huh. And the shields kind of take it. Because they were up a bit, mm-hmm. but Not then enough. it is immediately followed by a shit ton of torpedoes. Yeah, they blast the uh, transparasteel uh, canopy open on the bridge, and you see all the, the, the description is all these glass shards come firing into the room, and then stop where they are because of gra- the uh, vacuum effect, and just flip right back out of the room again as all the air vents off the bridge. Yeah, it blows in and then immediately gets sucked out again. So everyone on the bridge of the of the implacable is probably dead. I have to assume that that's just not where Triggett was. Oh, I assume he's dead. We're This is the last, like, ch- we have three chapters after this. We have one more episode. I 1,000% am like, no, this Triggett's dead now. He watched it happen. I it's from his point of view. He's like, oh, shit, bring up the shields. Oh, no, we are dead. <laughs> <laughs> I fell 15 meters. I'm I, dead now. I don't know if, that, <laughs> if, if getting sucked out into space is as fatal as a 15-meter fall. I don't know. I mean, Princess Leia survived it in that one movie, so. Yeah, but she's Mary Poppins. It doesn't matter. <laughs> she's Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll find out in the next chapter, because that's where it ends. Is the oh, it just 100% ends on just, an explosion in the bridge. Boom, yeah. 
So uh, so we'll see if he has a, a cunning escape plan or if this is actually the death of, of uh, Captain Triggett. That'd be kind of a surprise. Admiral Triggett. I guess that'd be a bit of a surprise. Yeah. But, I mean, if they manage to be like, look, all we do is blow up the bridge and we are once again going to take a Star Destroyer for our own. I mean, how- And then have... I want the next book in this series to be, all right, so now we have a Star Destroyer. And they, by the end of that book, they have the Death Star. <laughs> the, is that the third, that third one that was out of, in, in the Maw? It's just absolute dumb horseshit shenanigans every time. They're like, well, we got to escalate. Yeah. We- every time the DM's like, fuck, you stole a fucking Corvette. All right, well, I guess the only thing that'll be a challenge for you is a Star Destroyer. We disable it, we take the Star Destroyer. <sighs> Fine, you fight a super star destroyer. We disable it, we take it. Okay, then you find that big asteroid staffed by mind-controlled Gamorians that the Emperor owned. Okay, oh, we take that. Take that. Great. It also has a ghost, a force ghost living in his computer. Cool, she's part of our squad now. <laughs> she's on the team. Uh-huh. In fact, we added a new player, and now she's playing that. By the end of the Race Squadron series, they're just flying around Zonama Sakat, the intelligent planet. By the end of it, they've just got the Sun Crusher. I'm like, fuck it, we got this now. We got a whole squadron of Sun Crushers. We yeah. built a bunch more covers of genius. <laughs> Wraith Squadron, full of them. Except Tyria, she has to fly a TIE Fighter. <laughs> fuck you. Because she was bad. God, it is just absolute fucking clown o'clock in this. I mean, I was going to say, the thing I would like is if you're right and they just destroy this, <laughs> just right away, just took out the ti- the Star Destroyer like it was nothing. If we just had Aaron Crispin again pop up and be like, what the, f- why do you keep inviting me to places? Quit setting up ambushes and then be like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> God damn it. Here's a big pile of medals and you're not invited to my birthday party. <laughs> and it's Sonic the Hedgehog themed. So I hope you're happy. <laughs> I'm obviously not. Aww. Please tell me the cake is shaped like rings. <laughs> no, oh, the, it is. There are rings for all of the guests. Oh, yeah. I'm handing out ring pops. Mm-hmm. And when you t- when you hit the top of the cake, it splits open, and then there's a bunch of little bird and squirrel-shaped cupcakes inside of it. <laughs> Get it? It's like when you hit that thing at the end of the levels. I'm used to playing the really old ones. I don't know what you do at the end of the new Sonic games. I assume cry. <laughs> you may cry if you wish. <laughs> All right, well, (laughs) I've got a mean bean machine, and I shoot jelly beans at all of the guests. (laughs) Uh, So so that would be amazing. I would love a Sonic the Hedgehog party with that kind of shit. Hey, look, my next birthday, Sonic the Hedgehog themed. I'm going to show up as Sonic when he was a werewolf. (laughs) That's fine. I'm going to show up as Sonic when he kisses an actual normal human lady. By just kissing an actual normal human lady while yeah. you're there. I'll be like, uh, you have to kiss me because uh, that's the Sonic game I'm from. Yeah, I'm from Sonic 06, which means I have to kiss an actual human lady. But don't worry, you'll never get to that cutscene. The game will bug out first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm having a pool of Radiance-themed birthday party. I destroy your computer. <laughs> All right. As soon as, the, as soon as the party is done and you try to leave, I wreck your computer. <laughs> Please bring your computers to this party. <laughs> It's a land party, but in the land party, I will destroy your computer. I'm very, I'm very concerned about how your party features both all of our computers and Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you've managed to resurrect him, but I wish oh, you would. It's Gallagher too. <laughs> it's Gallagher three, the hidden Gallagher, <laughs> Gallagher, the Elizabeth Olsen of the Gallagher family. But they were both of them deceived, for there was a third Olsen. (laughs) Another Gallagher was formed. (laughs) Three Gallaghers to the the Elven Lords. 
Shire. <laughs> Smash-O-Matic. <laughs> Fuck, we got out of hand. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. I, uh, Patreon, go to it. Patreon.com slash System Mastery. That's right. We'll go to Wikipedia. We look up weird nonsense, and we tell each other fun little bits of stories and places and people that have shown up in Star Wars that are noteworthy of some sort. <laughs> Absolutely. God, do you think it's too late for us to register and become a stand-up comedy act called Gallagher 3? <laughs> like, Gallagher sued his brother, but he's dead. <laughs> that, could... That's fine. All that's around is Gallagher 2, which means a precedent has been set. Exactly. So we can, we can start our own stand-up act as Gallagher Hi, 3. We're Gallagher 3. The two of us are Gallagher 3. We're the Gallagher 3. <laughs> Why are there only two of you? <laughs> there can be two Gallaghers, Mark. Well, I'm Gallagher 1, and he's Gallagher 2, so together we're Gallagher 3. <laughs> What? No, don't worry about no, it. It's fine. <laughs> Why do you drive on a parkway and drive on a parkway? See, we're Gallagher. We're Gallagher. Gallagher. Yeah. This chair's too big. I mean, I'm just not going to smash the water chestnuts and say, this is the Asians or whatever he was doing when his brain had gone full sour milk. <laughs> Once he had absolutely lost his ability to be a normal human. Yeah. So we'll just we'll just be Gallagher classic. <laughs> <laughs> Great. We'll demote the dead guy to Gallagher 3. <laughs> you're, you're Gallagher 3 now. We're Gallagher 1. Gallagher 2, keep doing what you're doing. You're Fine cool. job. We're cool with you, buddy. Hey, you and me, we're cool. <laughs> Just don't get in our way. <laughs> if you try and fuck this up for me, I will end you. <laughs> we will wreck you. You're just one Gallagher and we are two. <laughs> I mean, you're, oh, you're two, two. But, we're, th- but we're, we're, we're three, but we're one. <laughs> we're like the Holy Trinity. We're the Gallagher three in one. <laughs> Patreon.com slash System Mastery. <laughs> what is happening? Bonus content at the $4 level, which also unlocks the $2 level bonus content and ad-free versions of all of the shows. Okay? <laughs> okay? Also, there's a $10 level available. Thank you so much. Please consider it. I have been Elon Sleaze Bagano. And I love being Gallagher 4. Another Gallagher has risen. Ha ha ha!